In these harrowing times, three young women step forth to debunk myths floating around the internet and the world. I'm Peggy, the public health specialist. I'm Libby, the librarian. And I'm Carrie, the rock scientist. This is The Triple Hoax. to another episode of The Triple Hope. Yeah. Yes. Well, Carrie is about to die. I am. She's real tired. I today. am. I'm sorry. I apologize. Get, wake up. Gotta get my head in the game. Okay. Oh, God. Um, okay. So, here we are. <laughs> We've gathered once more. Sure are. To debunk some shit. Always. Woo. Yeah. What are we talking about this week? We are talking about, so our question this week is, should you be afraid of GMOs? Spoiler alert. You shouldn't be, (laughs) but what is a GMO? All right, I'll translate it. Should you be afraid of genetically modified organisms? Oh. Oh no. Heavens. That is our question, and... We're going to answer it. Um, first, we have a hoax check-in from Peggy. So this is just a fun new segment where we just talk about some random other conspiracy theory shit. I was going through my usual celebrity news, whatever I get sent to my inbox. I follow the cut, which I don't know if anyone else knows of it. Much to my wandering eyes' dismay, I saw an article wondering... If Marion Cotillard believes in the moon landing mm-hmm. again. Okay. Marion Cotillard, if none of you know who that is, she is a French actress. She won an Oscar for a movie where she portrayed Edith Piaf, and it was a movie called La Vie en Rose. And so, anyway, she's also really well known from Inception, where she plays Leo's wife. Oh! Leo's character's wife. Okay. Who, who is the villain? Well, ish. Ish. Did you ever see Inception? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I in in the we'll dirty, have to okay, start this mind. podcast. An Inception right. podcast. In an old interview from back in 2007, where she wondered if man really walked on the moon, and during that same interview, she also denied the believability of the September 11th attacks. Bush did 9/11. Jet fuel can't melt steel. That's her exact argument was the classic materials and fire ones. Like, why is it not happening like it's supposed to? We see other towers of the same kind being hit by planes. Are they burned? We do? Do we? Do we see that? Yeah. Well, she referred to this plane hitting a building in Spain, and apparently the building was on fire for 24 hours. So that's her evidence that the twin towers should have been on fire for longer. How big was the building in Spain? I don't know. This is a classic uh, conspiracy theory evidence. Misdirection. That isn't evidence. Yeah, exactly. 
She said in other in other times when planes hit buildings, the, the towers didn't collapse. And then in 9-11, the towers did collapse. So that's weird. It's almost like when you hit a building with a plane. She, she suggested over. that the towers were an outdated money sucker, which have cost too much to modernize, so it was easier to destroy them. And kill thousands of people. Yeah, sure. She says, did a man really walk on the moon? I saw plenty of documentaries on it, and I really wondered. In any case, I don't believe all they tell me, that's for sure. So this news article that I originally read was making fun of her because she was wearing a NASA hat or shirt, and they were like, does she believe in the moon landing now? Does she believe in NASA? Yeah, because she was wearing a NASA shirt now in 2018. So, uh, yeah, that's our latest. Nice other conspiracy theory bogus I saw news. a meme, it was kind of old, but it was on a anti-conspiracy theory website. It was, they got Stanley Kubrick to film the moon landing, but he was such a strict, a, a stickler, they made them film it on location on the moon. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, that's our hoax update. All right. Our question today. Should we be afraid of genetically genetically modified organisms? From the valley of the jolly, oh, 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 green giant, good things from the garden, garden in the valley, valley of the jolly, green giant. So let's start out our nice discussion by clarifying even more for the nice people what GMOs or genetically modified organisms are. GMOs or genetically modified organisms are, it's kind of a broad umbrella term for um, any kind of organism. Thank you. Organism whose DNA has been changed through genetic recombination to express certain desired traits. It can happen okay. in a lab. It can happen through breeding. It indicates the the uh, input of humans in the genetic yes uh, makeup of of the organism. Yeah. So when we say GMO, it's they're specifically referencing when humans create new genetic material, and then it's also sometimes referred to as genetic engineering, which kind of makes more sense because that's like the human aspect of it. But mm-hmm. yeah. Humans have been doing it for thousands of years. Yes. Through breeding of plants. Mm-hmm. Take broccoli, for example. Mm-hmm. The ancestor that broccoli comes from has teeny tiny little edible flowers on it. They're nothing like the broccoli you buy at the grocery store, which are gigantic in comparison. Yeah. So basically what happened is over years and years and years, people out in the fields were like, oh, this broccoli plant has a bigger um, floret on it, that's what you call it. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I'm gonna breed this one with a big floret, with this one with a big floret, so that I will keep having a crop of bigger black broccoli florets because there's more to eat. And in some cases they're hardier. Yes. Yep. So that's the old school, quote unquote, mm-hmm. way of and, doing GMOs. I mean, that's how we got dogs. That is true. Domesticating yep. dogs and cattle and horses and stuff like that. Pigs. Pigs. Yeah. They literally managed to discover genetics and genes and DNA by genetic modification through um, mm-hmm. Gregor Mendel and his pea plants. 
Yep. And let's just throw it out there right now. DNA was actually discovered by Rosalind Franklin. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> the truth has to be known. Exactly. <laughs> Those little bastards, Watson and Crick, can go choke. Our next question is, well, my next talking discussion point is, what do we use GMOs for? Well, like I was saying... You modify food so that it gives you more food per plant. Mm-hmm. And also for hardiness. So something that will live through weather conditions, drought, like drought or even monsoons, yeah. stuff like that. Or you can make it immune to the animals that usually destroy it or eat it. They're pest resistant. They're pest resistant. Right. Also to make them more nutritious. Mm-hmm. Certain plants um, that don't naturally have a lot of nutritional value but are really easy to grow, they'll modify them so that they're, um, they have more vitamins and minerals that are needed. Like you said, to be able to survive in harsher climates, that's another big thing that we genetically modify or plants to do. With the coming global climate change apocalypse, that's pretty important yeah we're also running out of usable land so we have Mm -hmm. to change crops so that they can Mm -hmm. uh survive in land that's less nutrient that's our own fault for over farming but that's fine which is called monoculture uh right no monoculture is when things are genetically bred down to they're just being one genetic version of a plant like bananas Oh, that's right, because one goes extinct, like, every so few decades, and then there's, like, a new banana, right? Well, like no, that. it's... You found the peak one that gives you exactly the kind of crop you want. There's no encouragement to continue mm-hmm. to Gen- have the other gen- genetic diversity, yeah. I did the... I did some scientific research on what (laughs) wow that sounds like a lot of work i don't know how i feel about it on what genetic engineering involves and the terms in the uk that are used are called cisgenesis and transgenesis which here we call vertical or horizontal gene transference and i think cisgenesis and transgenesis makes way more sense because cis means same for all you Latin ignorance out there. Cis, <laughs> wow. Cis, cis means same. So when you say cisgenesis, that means they're taking genetics from very similar plants and incorporating them into this other plant because we want a different gene to be expressed. So maybe the first plant is does really well in really hot, arid climates, and you want that resilience in your new plant, so you transfer the gene And then transgenesis, which means different, trans is different, it means you're taking genetics from a very dissimilar organism to modify this organism. That's like when they make mice glow in the dark from jellyfish genes. Yes. And, you know, I think that transgenesis genetic engineering is what freaks people out the most. Because they think, holy shit, am I going to glow? Are my intestines going to glow in the dark? What's going to happen to me? Am I going to be a mutant or something? That's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. No, you're fine. But it also includes synthetic genes, which are also made in the lab. So they're just completely new genetic material that scientists create. Or artificial sequences. Like sequence of genetics that aren't found in nature. 
that's, I think, what the root cause of people's fear of genetically modified organisms is. Because there's a new, I mean, it's not new, but there's the trend of if you don't know exactly what's going into your food, you're an irresponsible consumer or you're an irresponsible parent or you're stupid or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the whole obsession with what's natural mm-hmm. or clean. That's mm-hmm. the thing that bugs me whenever Pure. I see those yeah. mini ads for Panera mm. where they're like, clean food or something and I'm just yeah whenever people are like I try to eat clean I'm like what does that mean do you mean you just try not to eat junk food that's like over processed <laughs> you don't eat dirt congratulations yeah. it's it comes from purity culture purity culture but if it's in the more liberal mm-hmm. food related thing where they're talking more about wholesome food mm-hmm. instead of it's equated with wholesome behavior mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a moral indicator instead of just a matter of choice or, in this case, money. Because mm-hmm. food that's organic or all these other things tend to be really mm-hmm. expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure we've all had a grandma say to us, you gotta eat a bushel of dirt before you die. Right. Take that as you will. <laughs> so, this is a bit of a throwback to uh, a couple episodes ago. Or no, it was technically our last full episode, wasn't it? A really good example of both monoculture and genetically modified organisms is tobacco companies. They've, like Katrin and we were talking about, honed their uh, genetic recipe, so to speak, for their tobacco plants down to the most potent and addictive form of nicotine possible. So not only did they monoculture it, so they're just, it's just one type of tobacco. They also use genetic engineering to try and make their product as addictive as possible, which that's, I feel like, the genetic engineering you should be upset about. Right. That's causing harm, actual harm to people. Um, Yeah, because there have been a multitude of studies that have said that genetically modified foods are not a harm to anyone. And those studies have been published for a really long time. This argument has been happening for far too long when there have already been definitive studies that have said that they're not a risk. So this is a game called, Is This Product Non-GMO Certified? So I went on to the non-GMO product, whatever, certified website, and there was just... It's just so frustrating. They have a huge database of places that are non-GMO certified, and some of the stuff was just ridiculous. So here we go. So you guys tell me if you think there's a product that is non-GMO certified for this. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Hydrogen peroxide. What? Uh, yes. What the hell? (laughs) It's just a pharmacy chemical. (laughs) I mean, probably. People are so dumb. Yes, there is. I literally Googled, how do you make hydrogen peroxide? It's literally like a, there's nothing organic involved with it. Yeah, it's a chemical. That's why there's no GMOs in it. But. There's, (laughs) water doesn't have GMOs either. (laughs) This makes no sense. (laughs) Okay. um, Okay. uh, I mean, y'all probably already know this one, but, uh. Himalayan rock salt. Yep. 
Oh yeah, that's un- that's labeled yeah. as non-GMO. Damn it! People who like Himalayan rock salt love non-GMO. <laughs> and these people—that's like the same people who have salt lamps and yes. like, they purify the air, not just that they look pretty. How much do you want to bet there's somebody out there who like takes a cheese grater to their Himalayan salt oh, lamp and it's just like, god. this is so good on my dinner. Oh <laughs> god, so I hope fucking not. Jesus Christ. Um, I feel like. These people who, like, seemingly, like, non-inorganic products, and they want them to be non-GMO, I feel like they have a very weak grasp on how chemistry works. Yeah. In most decisions that are knee-jerk, it's rooted in, like you were saying, morality. It's an emotional and morality-based thing, rather, and there's no interest in understanding it is a complex topic. Yeah, that's true. And there's not very right. much incentive for them to understand. So think about it. Even though it's bullshit because it has far-reaching consequences, but we'll right. get to those later. Right. Also, yeah. neither study that's been done about GMO labels, neither study provides strong evidence that that will be a warning to consumers oh, anyway. Oh my gosh, the labeling. The labeling doesn't do anything. It's just like labeling something organic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It literally doesn't mean anything. Right. Yeah. Um, hairspray. What? Yes. It's, it is a G. It's, yeah, it's a non GMO. <laughs> like, the question's so stupid, I couldn't even comprehend for a second what you were asking me. Do you think there's non GMO certified hairspray? Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. It probably doesn't work. Well, or it's just literally, it does work. There's just no way there could be any genetically modified organism in it. Nope. There isn't. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. Cool. Hairspray should stay unnatural. <laughs> <laughs> just keep the CFCs out, or not CFCs, the global warming chemicals out of it. <laughs> yeah, we know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, okay. Potting soil. Yeah, I'm sure... Yeah. Yeah. Which, it's, I mean, it is made out of organic things. Right, that would make sense. So I guess you can excuse it for, I mean, it's ridiculous, but yeah. Yeah. But listen, you decompose it, you break it up, worms shit it out. How the fuck are you going to get influenced by a GMO at that point? <laughs> like, well, it's gone through so the... many processes. Oh, like, they're worried about what the worms are eating. The worms! Well, someone think of the worms. A worm. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, last one. Okay. I'm ready for this. Alright. Oh, interesting. So apparently, results found that for some demographic groups, genetically modified labels decrease opposition towards genetically modified technology. Oh, oh. So actually, it's having the opposite effect than the GMO people want it to. <laughs> Seeing that something has it in there makes people go, oh, so it's in everything. That's cool. Like, yeah, exactly. So and it actually works on people who, uh, with less education, who live in single-parent households and those earning the highest incomes. Uh, a GM label builds more trust in genetically modified Well, it's because oh. they're telling you it's there. And if you see it in everything, you're like, oh, yeah. so we do it with everything well, now, and it's in something I like. It okay. says, opponents to labeling often refer to consumers' lack of education on the issue as a reason not to label. 
Well, I mean, it's informed, informed purchase. It's, how informed is it, though? It's not. You're right. <laughs> the people making the choice to buy non-GMO certified things, how informed actually are they? They're not. It says about that it's GMO. usually yeah. people with more money and people with children are more likely to... People who don't vaccinate their children are more likely to not eat GMOs. Right. right. I feel like there's a direct correlation there. Yeah, because they're concerned about any little possible thing that could quote-unquote harm their kids. There's such a cult of parenthood now. If you don't do absolutely everything in your power to make sure your kid's fine, you're a bad parent. Right. Okay, um... Packaging. What? Yes. Yeah, because plastics can be made out of plants. You're correct, but also biodegradable packaging. Fiber, like it's made of rice husks or whatever. They'll say it's non-GMO rice. Okay. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But you guys won that game, I think. No, I think we all lost. We always lose when we play these games. (laughs) Yay! Yay! Well, I think y'all deserve a song after that. Yeah. Hear these beats. Beats, get it? Stop. These genetically modified beats. Stop. Beats, 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 beats. Excellent. Enjoyed those sick beats. <laughs> those genetically <laughs> modified beats. Will you oh, stop dear. Them? No, I won't. She won't ever stop. You know she won't, Peggy. Okay. <sighs> what uh, we wanted to talk about now is I did a little bit of research into why people believe the misinformation about GMOs. So just as a little bit of 
background, a lot of people, the people that we're talking about who are super into eating non-GMO certified things, believe that GMOs are bad for their health and that they damage the environment, even though science has proven multiple times that the opposite is true. GMOs are safe to eat, and they bring a lot of environmental benefits because they make agriculture more more sustainable. So uh, the cognitive dissonance there is really, really interesting. There's a lot of psychology to break down there. <laughs> there is. So in an NPR article from 2016 called Americans Don't Trust Scientists Take on Food Issues, they showed a lot of data that I was really impressed by. So there was a study done asking people what they believed about GMOs. The relatively small group of people in this whole study said that they cared about genetically modified foods a great deal, but three quarters of the people said that they believed they were bad for their health. It's a very widespread lie. Americans, it's kind of like global warming, where Americans believe that there's no scientific consensus, even though there is. (laughs) That pesky old scientific consensus argument. Um, And there's a lot of cynicism about the motives of scientists, which is in line with the anti-intellectual bent of our culture today. But the other thing that I thought was really interesting was that food sympathies don't follow political sympathies. And it's because of what we were talking about, where wealthy white people, be they Republican or Democrat, it's roughly equal shares who believed that GMOs were worth for people's health. And it was actually 30% of Republicans surveyed it versus 40% of Democrats surveyed. And then actually more Democrats than Republicans believed that organic foods are healthier than non-organic foods. We're going to talk about organic foods in a minute, but as I told you before, there's, it's, it's a whole, it's a crock. That's like we were talking before, it's the liberal version of this, I don't want to say, it's, it's purity culture. sexual purity culture of conservatives. Yeah. Right, but it's, it's all about the morality of your body. They don't want toxins in their bodies. No. Um, And then I also read a really interesting Scientific American article by Stefan Blanca. Sorry if I'm saying that completely wrong. It's from 2015. So these articles are a little bit older, but still 100% relevant. He published a paper in 2015 with a group of Belgian biotechnologists and philosophers from Ghent University. And he, they argued that the negative representations of GMOs are widespread and compelling because they are intuitively appealing. And that was a quote from this article. Because you want to be making the right decision for your body. Right, pretty much. You'll support what people have told you. Right, I mean, the thing is that GMOs are complicated. It's the same thing with a lot of different science. You know, it's, it's a difficult process to explain, but the idea that GMOs are bad for you, even though it's not true, um, it's it's sort of attention grabbing. If you see like a, a headline or something, it's easy to remember. It's easily processed, and that is why it becomes part of the general conscious consensus. There's a greater chance of it being talked about and transmitted, even if it's not true. So other things that we could think of would be how the flat earth movement is growing even though it's complete bullshit because people are talking about it 
even if they're talking about it jokingly, they're still talking about it. We're guilty of that. Uh, the anti-vax movement, it's the same thing. People who are like, super anti-birth control, they're going to spread untruths, and these are going to be so persuasive, but also so reactionary. They're going to elicit our, just a gut reaction that makes it easier to spread it. Yeah, that's why they did that study about how almost 100% of the time emotionally charged information is spread faster on Twitter, no matter if it's true yep. or not. Like, it doesn't yep. matter if the content is correct. Is If it's emotional, then it it's going to be picked up and spread. I feel the other reason that GMOs are so intense sometimes, the topic, I mean, is because the technology has developed so rapidly that it still takes people off balance because man we're manipulating the building blocks of our very existence this shit's crazy it's only been about 20 years since scientists started doing lab genetic engineering laboratory based genetic engineering it's a knee-jerk reaction because in our lizard brain one of the things that's kept us alive and successful as a species is a suspicion for anything that will contaminate our food. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, what people should consider is that we've often been wrong. Our perceptions of our senses mm. only go so far. Like you have to use your cognitive smarts to understand what's happening because they used to think that disease was spread by smell because we instinctively don't like really bad smells. Yeah. That works for, like... Yeah, that works for our evolutionary ancestors, like, on the plains, smelling an infection or an animal that's rotting or something. But other than that, it doesn't tell us anything. Yeah. So I think it's sort of that suspicion comes from that. I mean, yeah. So I went on... So we've been so we've been referencing it a lot. It's called the Non-GMO Project, and it's this nonprofit that is dedicated to uh, certifying certain projects products as non-GMO. And they have a website. On the website, they have a database of all the products and companies that provide. You've probably seen their label. Yeah. Yes, There's... it's the weird little butterfly yeah. on the blade of grass with orange and blue. Yeah. I was like, well, let's get to the source of this dumb shit (laughs) and let's just go right into the lion's den. And they have a whole paper, like it's 120 pages long, refuting, quote unquote, a bunch of arguments for GMOs. The main takeaway I took from this was it's very defensive. (laughs) Um, It kind of shits on scientists Mm -hmm. a lot. Sure. Still not surprised. And their research is old. I have in my notes here, quote, a lot of Island of Dr. Moreau <laughs> is that thing. <laughs> because they talk about how the genetically modified organisms in the food will somehow enter your genetics oh. and change them. Their number one thing was, you're going to get cancer. Like, oh. basically, their basic argument there was, you're going to get cancer. And it's like, no, no one has said anything. No one brought up cancer until you brought up cancer, okay? <laughs> like, it's not happening. They use a lot of scientific jargon, but it's it's just not correct. The thing with their genetics, they talk about how um, 
actually they talk about epigenetics a little bit. They talk about how like seventy or eight percent of our DNA is old viruses. And they're like, what's to say that couldn't happen again? And it gets Evolution. into our genetics. Yeah. It gets into our genetics and changes it and blah blah blah. And that's not great. I was really mad about this, oh. so I was like, I need to know how does that work? And um, I found this great blog, it's called that can't happen because your body hold. your body rejects foreign DNA because the right. particles of DNA are too big to right. go through your digestive right. system. Actually, they don't know specifically how it works, but they do know that that's what happens. Right. People believe crazy batshit stuff, right? Right. So, what you're talking about was also talked about in the Scientific American article I was talking about earlier, and it's called psychological essentialism. It makes people um, associate DNA with an organism's quote-unquote essence, that huh. it's the, you know, the essence of whatever, some sort of an inchangeable, not inchangeable, obviously, because we do that all the time now, but they think of it as like an inchangeable, immutable core that causes the organism's behavior and develop, determines its identity, almost like a, a godlike thing, you know, like fate as such people are likely to believe that this process would cause characteristics of the source organism in the recipient organism. So the example that they give here is people in the U.S. who were surveyed, um, more than half of the people surveyed said that a tomato modified with fish DNA would taste like fish, which it would not. That's ridiculous. (laughs) But that's what people think. So... With this people believing that the DNA, the GMO DNA, would somehow affect your DNA, it's because they think of DNA as this mystical thing because they just don't understand how it works. Right. Interesting. Yeah, that's called psychological essentialism. That's really cool. People, they'll tell all kinds of stories about if you get a heart transplant, like it changes you. Or your corneal transplant you see differently or something yeah. but that that doesn't happen no. any any of that is psychological yeah because of that belief yeah. well i have a new heart now so i love different yeah it's a very chicken soup for the soul type of story yes so they also this this fact sheet quote unquote was shitting on the fda process what so i decided to look it up not the fda well i mean it's not in good hands right now but it's the only thing we have standing against you know dysentery constantly um mm. all the salmonella outbreaks yeah. recently are because of fda yeah. uh, shitting on fda guidelines. yeah so they have a plant biotechnology consultation program and this is before the actual formal process by which the FDA will test and approve their um, they look product. At, they look at the, the plants. Right. So they collaborate with these companies voluntarily, and the FDA like points out their issues, whether it's marketing, whether it's biotechnology-related, and then they go improve it, and then they have to submit it for a formal approval by the FDA. Right. So it is actually regulated. It doesn't matter if it's genetically engineered or not. But I did read an article where they said, um, it was actually a study where they studied um, a protein that they used to bind the new DNA into the old DNA. 
and um, it was a study for allergies. The study was inconclusive. They didn't know if that protein was actually causing people to have an allergic reaction. The scientists recommended, they were like, you need to come up with better screening processes for these proteins and these secondary chemicals you're working with because they can cause allergic reactions in certain people. I mean, like, we, you have, we have to label if something might have soy or peanut or dairy or whatever in it. When we're talking about labeling, that might be the one good thing that comes out of labeling also because someone would know, like, oh, this might, like, if they're a very sensitive person, mm -hmm. it might cause an allergic reaction. Where did we start yeah. out with that? Oh, misinformation and people not trusting yeah. GMOs. Well, I think we need another tune. Absolutely. So when we come back, we should talk about what the fuck organic means. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Go talk to your plants, listeners. Stop. And then come back. It was an upset in two minutes flat. We're back on the freeway, foot to the mat. I can't understand it. We had it down pat. It's very upsetting. Could we leave it at that? We all had positions. We each had a role. We'd over-rehearsed it. We had full control. They can't teach you acting. It's there in your soul. It's the same with a bank job and each thing we stole. So I don't need attitude. Cause you knew just what. was the driver you ran the show you had the last word the go or no go i knew every laneway in ontario but it's not what you're sure of it's what you don't know it should have been filled with the usual ones throwing their cash in to mutual funds we all had our ski masks Sawed off shotguns, but how do you plan for a bank full of nuns? Well, I guess we panicked. We all have taboos. They were like zebras, they had us confused. We should be in condos with oceanfront views. Instead, we're most wanted on the six o'clock news. So I don't need attitude. Cause you knew just what to do We all did our best now We all need to rest now Leave me alone And wait by the phone talk about organic what does that mean and what does it have to do with gmos that's a good question it, the easier thing to understand uh, for me personally is like anything animal related then the way they put it to you is if you buy organic milk 
that means the cows were fed things that don't have pesticides in them. Mm-hmm. The cows are not are living on a nice farm somewhere, and all of it, and they're being treated like nicely. None of the milk has any kind of antibiotics. Antibiotics. Okay, this could be me quoting our crazy health nut mother, because um, we went through an organic phase when we were young. Vegetarian but, and organic. Oh God. Um. So much tempa. Cooked badly. Um, anyway, haven't there been studies done that having steroids in steroids cows are bad in actually cows. do translate into the milk and affect children? So it's antibiotics. That's different than organic. They say no antibiotics and organic. Lots of things that are organic are gimmicks. This is true. But... I feel like you have more to gain by getting organic things than you do non-GMO Well, I mean, I know. It doesn't, it's not a blank, it shouldn't be a blanket statement, and it's not. But for certain things, when we say organic, it means they don't use more harmful pesticides. I'm going to tell you guys what the legal definition of organic is. Yes, please do. Organic food production is a self-regulated industry. Government oversight only in some countries, different from private gardening. The U.S. and many other countries require producers to obtain a special certification based on these requirements. Avoidance of synthetic chemical inputs, irritation, and the use of sewage sludge. They like to avoid GMO seeds. Use of farmland that has been free from prohibited chemical inputs for a number of years, usually three or more. If it's livestock, you have to adhere to specific requirements for feed, housing, and breeding. You have to keep detailed written record record of production and sales. You have to maintain a strict physical separation of organic products from non-certified products. And you have to undergo periodic on-site inspections. Pretty much... The U.S. has made it so that the term organic can only be used by certified organic producers. Being able to put the word organic on a food product is a valuable marketing advantage, but it doesn't guarantee that the product is actually organic. Certification is supposed to protect consumers from the misuse of the term, but organic labeling made possible by the certification itself usually requires some kind of explanation. In the United States, the organic labeling, the USDA has four standards that they recognize, which is crazy, but okay. Just four? Those ones that I listed before, USDA standards recognize four different types of organic production. Crops, plants that are grown to be harvested as food, livestock feed, or fiber, used to add nutrients to the field. There's livestock, animals that could be used in the production of food, fiber, or feed, processed or multi-ingredient products that have been handled and packaged or combined, processed, and packaged. This would be organic as long as up to 95% of the combined ingredients are certified organic. And wild crops. Here's the thing. Farms and businesses that make less than $5,000 annually. Mm-hmm. That's arbitrary. On their organic sales are exempt 
from these certification standards. Really? Hmm. So if you're buying it from a smaller company, that means that Which means that they don't have to be certified to label it as organic. Great. The other thing is that here in the U.S., because everything has to be run by private agencies, because of course it does, because capitalism. Yep. You can have your organization certified by a private or foreign entity. I bet uh, the non-GMO product project is a big one. Yeah. So it's pretty insane. They do make you jump through a lot of hoops, but it doesn't necessarily mean that what you're getting is any different or better a non-certified organic product. The perception that organic food is better for you somehow has been around since the organic farming movement started. And... That's why I was spewing that. (laughs) Exactly. It's not necessarily true. That's not saying that organic farming practices aren't necessarily better than, say, like, giant factory farming practices. But it's not as different as people like to make it seem. You guys feel like one more game? Sure. I have one. All right. It's called, um, you can't look. I'm not looking. Okay. So we all know that these GMO natural organic companies have some really weird names. So I'm going to tell you guys a name and you have to tell me if it's a real one or if I made it up. Okay. Okay. All right. First one. Flodon. Flodon? I think he made that up. I think it's real. I made that shit up. Oh <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> okay, uh, next one. Essential oxygen. What? That's gotta be real. Oh man. Seems wisely. Oh. I think you made it up. <laughs> That's real. No. <laughs> It's a company. They make uh, essential oxygen BR tooth powder, food grade hydrogen peroxide, oh. organic brushing rinse, organic essential oxygen toothpaste. Hmm. Next one. 18 rabbits. Yes, that's <laughs> real. I think that's real because it's like referencing animal testing. Yes, it is real. 18 rabbits. You feel good walking around being like, oh yeah, my company's named 18 rabbits. <laughs> I'm actually average... 18 rabbits in a trench coat right now. An average number of rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next one. 690 Limited. Yes. I'm going to yes. say that's real. Yeah. Libby? Yeah, that's real. Nope. I made it up. Aw, oh, man. Because <laughs> it's 690. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, last one. For no guilt. For no guilt. 
I think that's real. Yeah, that sounds real. It is. It's all one word. It's the letter oh. four. And then no guilds, all lowercase. It's all weird. one word. It's like a Twitter hashtag. <laughs> yeah. It probably is. <sighs> okay. Well, that was... That was good. You guys, you guys are good. Thank you. We are. That. <laughs> well, I guess we can take another music break. Sounds good. about social justice, our favorite topic, um, mm-hmm. is talking about Monsanto. Oh, gross. Menacing word, Monsanto. Yes, it's because it is. Um, so listeners, for those of you who don't know, which I can't imagine any of you not knowing, but Monsanto is this huge agricultural company. Um, they produce... Corporation. Corporation, thank you. Conglomerate. Um... They produce genetically engineered crops. They produce pesticides. They produce herbicides and potting soil and all kinds of stuff for agriculture. What's the name of the weed killer they produce? I always see commercial for it. It's Roundup. They make Roundup. Roundup. Roundup, that's it. They've been taken to court many times for doing bad, shady shit because they're a bad, shady company. <laughs> what kind of bad, shady things? Um, they are a big... They're in on uh, the EPA's shit list, like, permanently because they've contaminated a lot of places um, with their chemicals. 
They've been sued multiple times, like civil suits or damages, because workers or people who live near their factories have had health problems, very serious health problems. They've been taken to court multiple times over that. And they're just pretty remorseless when it comes to using bad chemicals. Um, but the most recent garbage thing that they like to do is... Okay, so this, it, this is in India... And their court did not allow Monsanto to take out a patent on one of their seed strains. And this is like a common practice in India. Lots of agricultural things, they don't allow companies to take out patents. Because when you take out a patent on it, it's super expensive for whoever wants to buy that seed strain. So they, this was a big thing against Monsanto because they were like, no, can't patent it you have to allow the, the market to, to take the costs so when companies like Monsanto patent these seed strains and their GMO processes um, farmers have to pay higher prices on the seeds which means making um, small farmers have real problems they, they yeah. can't and they won't yeah. make as much profit because they're usually small-time farmers and then if they do non-genetically modified seeds, they'll generally have a poor crop also because those seeds are vulnerable to pests and everything. So Monsanto doubles their profit. A, they sell those seeds at the patent level costs, and they plant their own seeds and reap the benefits of selling those crops back to people. India's commerce laws do not allow the enforcement of genetically modified seed patents. Um, so they can be freely bought and sold. Which is great. Yeah. And I read an interesting article about farming here in the U.S., like in Iowa, where it's doubly difficult because here we do have patents on seeds and things. Um, so every year, it's a little like vaccines. You know how, like the flu vaccine, they have to change the vaccine every year, right? Right. To target the new strain of the flu. Yes. Well, eventually, these pests and these things evolve to, they adapt to the new type of seed. Right. So you have to make a new genetically engineered seed strain every five years, maybe. So that's a double strain on farmers who have to keep buying the seed that will mm -hmm. be pest resistant. Right. Right. Yeah. And every, every time they come up with a new one, it is going to be more expensive. Like the new iPhone. Right, exactly. It's, it's like, like an iPhone for seeds. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Monsanto is the apple of God, oh, seeds. Holy shit, that's such a good metaphor. <laughs> I also hate apple, so that's fine. Do, 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 Did you know do, Monsanto do, do. invented AstroTurf? That's not surprising. They also invented Celebrex. They had a division of pharmaceutical stuff, but they sold it to Pfizer. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Pfizer. Pfizer. Yeah, so that's a little just a peek into... They were also among the first to genetically modify a plant cell. Cool. I guess. Mm. <laughs> it's a mixed bag. I'm salty. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of like... And, and that's just a peek into the shady shit that Monsanto does. Roundup is really bad also, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Very bad. It's got um, what is it called? 
glyphosate, which is super hella bad. If you inhale it, if you eat it by accident, it's get the, it on your hands. When you put it on your skin because your body recognizes it because it's a phosphate. Phosphates are essential to um, certain parts of our nutrient nutrient needs. Mm-hmm. So it recognizes anything with a chemical signature similar to a phosphate and it wants to integrate it and pull it into your body. Mm-hmm. So if you get something on you that it thinks is oh, this is food, or this yeah. is a nutrient, mm-hmm. it will, like, absorb it instead yes. of rejecting it. Right. But it has the wrong makeup. Yeah. So it, it causes can... cancer. Yeah, it'll mess with your cells. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I was say. Speaking of pesticides, so in some of the strains, they make them pesticide-resistant, so that just gives farmers, like, free reign to just spray the shit out of them with really bad pesticides, because you know the crops won't die. Right, but then it's really bad for everyone around it. Yeah. And the environment that it's getting dumped into. Also, they made Agent Orange, just like Dow did. (laughs) If you needed a reason. They also make a synthetic hormone for cows that increases milk production by 11 to 16%. But it, it's not good. I would imagine that that's not great. Oh, RBST. They, I see that on milk things. They're like, we don't use RBST. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so after that, shitting on Monsanto, which felt great. Um, oh, good, man. <laughs> feels real good. Shall we recap why GMOs are good? Yeah, let's do that. And on a positive note. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, of course, did we answer our question? why GMOs are actually a good thing. When they're given at a reasonable price or freely to small farmers and they're, um, they can be really helpful, especially in places um, hugely impacted by global warming, mm-hmm. which is usually in the more impoverished, um, warmer countries. Co- countries with warmer climates. Right. Especially if the price or the labor involved in protecting the crops to get a good yield is like higher than it would be. like 
So, like, if you have to treat your eggplant crop, like, with pesticides mm-hmm. upwards of 100 times during a growing season, you need a crop that's just naturally right. resistant to pests. Mm-hmm. And you need to have access to those seeds mm-hmm. regularly, especially if the global warming is causing particular pests like mosquitoes yeah. to become more to trap. more rampant and to become wide, more widespread in their, like, territory. Right. Also, to prevent... Right. A prevent disease spread so there is a county in florida that was working to release genetically modified mosquitoes yep. to stop the spread of zika because this county had previously had a really bad experience with dengue and they hadn't gotten zika yet but they were trying to be proactive mm-hmm. So there's this genetically modified mosquito. I think it's a male mosquito. And when you release it out into the wild, when it mates with females, their eggs die, like, automatically. Mm -hmm. So it's a way of limiting the population and then decreasing. Zika is transmitted by mosquitoes, FYI. So, yeah, yeah, there's also ways to stop the spread of disease. Mm -hmm. Your your turn, maybe. They are incredibly good for things like, so Peggy was talking about warmer climates, but also arid climates where countries or climates where it's hard to grow crops because the land is really dry or uh, the drought season is long. Drought resistant crops are incredibly helpful, uh, especially because a lot of Asian countries and African countries that have really large populations are also in these drought, like drought areas where a crop that can resist a drought and grow with very little water and still produce viable crops is super, super, super helpful and honestly something that the world needs right now. Other reasons that GMOs are good is because we can, I don't know, I just think it's great that we can take things and make them better for us. Yeah, yeah, nutritionally Like nutritionally better. better, you know, we can take things that we know like little kids like, or, you know, we could take things that are from the same family. Like, you know, maybe we want all of the nutrients that are in kale to be in broccoli or something else that it's easier to get more people to eat or something that it's easier to get, like something that's not alienating to people. Like there are a lot of people who are like, I don't know what that is. I don't know how to cook that, but it's actually really good for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. There's a lot of crops that have been modified so that they are nutritionally rich and are, you're saying, like, familiar to people, but also affordable. Right. So a lot of the world's poor can't afford more than, like, ground corn flour or rice or something. And if you were to pack rice and wheat and maize with a lot of nutritious nutritional value, it helps combat, like, chronic and acute disease malnutrition malnutrition there's a particular disease i can't remember it off the top of my head but by fortifying i think it's corn some corn can be more like corn flour and stuff can be more fortified it has become more fortified than it was originally because Mm -hmm. if you didn't add it um when people make corn such a large part of their diet in some places or rice you actually get vitamin deficiency and so it's it's really important and i think it's really frustrating that obviously really rich people are the ones who are like 
I want non-GMOs because like, yeah, they can pick whatever fucking food they want because they're rich. They'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I think GMOs are good because mm-hmm. um, I think it's the next step in humans trying to, well, one, it's Star Trek as hell. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hook us up with those replicators. Right, exactly. Make it out of organic material. Replicate me some ice cream. (laughs) So I think it's a good prod for people to understand that we need to also, we can't just modify our seeds and our crops, but we need to modify, Libby, you were talking about earlier, modifying our entire outlook and practices of farming. Right. In agriculture, especially with global warming being here, you can't just say these seeds are the magic bullet that are going to, you know, change our environmental problems. It'll definitely help our malnutrition, like disease <laughs> problems, <laughs> for sure. Let's not forget increasing crop yield. Yeah. We didn't mention that. Yeah. Like, plants can make more. You have multiple harvests during a season. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely doesn't solve the ecological and environmental problems we have. Right. It's a band-aid. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I think this is a good step in the right direction to try and fix what our practices have done thus far. Yeah. All right. So. So. Did we answer our question? Did we? took the words right out of them. I think we did because we asked, should you be afraid of them? And you shouldn't be. Because they do a lot of good things for people. And they won't hurt you. And they won't hurt you. They won't they won't give you cancer. They the they science won't is come there. At you with the knife. They're tasty, they taste normal. Mm-hmm. They they're gonna help a lot of people and they might help you. Yeah. So. Yay! Go eat GMOs. Yay. <laughs> Yay GMOs. So what are you guys' recommendations? I do you have one? Libby, do you have a recommendation for our dear listeners? Um, so it hasn't had anything to do with GMOs, but I really want to just recommend that everybody go listen to the new Maximum Fun podcast, Bubble. It's like a radio drama, and it's really, really funny. It's about like a town in, it's a town in Oregon where it's like completely enclosed in a bubble because the outside world is all like this terrible hellscape. It's really fun. And it's definitely something that will lift your spirits in these dark, dark times. Yeah. Oh, okay. Perfect. Um, I am going to suggest that you check out this blog called The Skeptical Raptor. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, they're great. They're actually, um, they have a great blog and they also have a Twitter. And their byline is... Stalking pseudoscience in the internet jungle, nice. which nice. is great. Um, but We're they here for talk that. A lot about, yeah, they talk about a lot of chemistry and food science sort of um, myths and uh, pseudoscience. But I enjoy that a lot, so go check it out. It's the Skeptical Raptor. Cool beans. Oh, so I did have a recommendation <laughs> that I forgot about that uh, Carrie so helpfully reminded me of. It's about the Dust Bowl in America during the Great Depression. And it talks about all the bad farming practices that coupled with drought led to 
the entirety of the topsoil of most of the Great Plains in the U.S. to be picked up and blown around. It's really well written. There's lots of pictures. It's called The Worst Hard Time by Timothy Egan. And I read it a, wa a while ago, and it still sticks with me, so I, I imagine everyone will yeah. enjoy it. It's easy to understand for people who are super well-versed in like farming, like myself. So yeah, go check it out. What do we all left? Hometown Hoedown Throwdown. Hometown Hoedown Throwdown. Here's the song. Make up your mind. Decide to walk with me. Around the lake tonight. Around the lake tonight. We live in a little podunk town. In we did. We did. That's true. We did yep. live in a podunk little town called Battle Creek. Um, specifically, we lived in a township around there. We were. We actually made headline news the other day. We did. Because a giant plant that can blind humans was found in our county, specifically in our township. And it's called a giant hogweed. And it's fucking terrifying. It really is. It also makes you see you roast out in the sun. Yeah, it's sort of like the same uh, chemical where like if you get lime or lemon juice on your skin and you go out in the sun, it causes blisters. It's like that. But a million times more intense where you months later mm -hmm. you're Are still dealing with you're it. still dealing with getting yeah. burnt by the sun this biennial plant can grow 18 feet tall gross yeah so if you see one call your local your local nature people yeah. and stay as far away <laughs> stay from the fuck away from it it kind of looks like queen anne's lace yeah it does it looks like giant queen anne's lace we'll, we'll post we'll post info but they actually had to call out the public health department and uh, people in hazmat suits had to come dig it up and dispose of it. You can't just burn it. Because that would get the chemicals everywhere. It would be terrible. Right. You, you inhale it and you, that would be a very painful, awful way to die. I mean, leave it to Calhoun County to have something so demon-esque yeah. in there. It's truly... It seems par for the course. This topic. Mm -mm. Do we have any last notes? Don't think so. Um, but I right. would like to say that if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook. We are facebook.com slash um, the Triple Hoax podcast. And then you can also find us on Twitter at the Triple Hoax, Tumblr at the Triple Hoax. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, which we would love it if you did, you can email us at the Triple Hoax at gmail.com. Go to iTunes, and if you really like us, rate us five stars and leave us a review. Uh, that would bump us up on the list so that more people can find us. Same with Stitcher. And then also, in said review, tell us what your favorite... Scary plant is. Yes. <laughs> All right, we'll catch you next time. This has been the Triple Hoax. And remember, salad. it doesn't have to be a mystery. Yummy, yummy. Fruit salad. Yummy, yummy.
fruit salad. Yummy, yummy. Yummy, 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 yummy fruit salad. Let's make some fruit salad today. Uh-huh. It's fun to do, it's a healthy way. Uh-huh. Take all the fruit that you want to eat. It's going to be a fruit salad treat. The first step. Peel your bananas. The second step. Toss in some grapes. The third step. Chop up some apples. Chop up some melons and put them on your plate. Now we've made it. It's time to eat it. Oh, it tastes so good that you just can't beat it. Oh.